I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. School of Humans. Hello, you lovebirds. Welcome to another episode of Cadaver Gals. We have a very special episode today because we are talking about love. It's our Valentine's Day edition. I am one of your three hosts, Nika Duarte, along with Gabby Watts and Taylor Church. Uh, Do y'all want to say hi? Hello, all you lovers. Yeah, I'm super excited to talk about love. Yes, we (laughs) love love, but this time we're going to basically do an episode of Love Gone Wrong. Because there's enough happy couples in the world, okay? I thought love just always goes wrong. (laughs) Well, maybe in your luck, Gabby. Maybe in your luck. So today we're doing five mini-stories within this one episode, like little bite-sized little chunks of chocolate, like those little chocolate things that you get. Little kisses. Yes, every episode is a Hershey's kiss. Of death. As always, we have some trigger warnings. Ooh, fun. Asphyxiation, murder, drowning, stabbing, love, uh, domestic violence, and suicide. That was a fun one to end on. Um, I'll get a music. Cadaver Gals. Gabby, I heard you have a really fun story for us. Who told you that? Kimchi, my cat. Oh, yeah, we like to catch up in the <laughs> evening sometimes at the end of the work day, you know. Oh, that's uh, where he goes off to. <laughs> yeah, just like having a telephone call. 
But yeah, so this story is a love story about two young lovers, and it teaches us the age-old lesson of if you take a lover, don't leave them in the cupboard. Whoa, that (laughs) rhymed. That rhymed. Yeah, it's like I thought about it in advance a little bit. but uh, <laughs> Okay. So we're going back to 1667 in Cambridge, England. And this is a little bit more of a folk tale. So the exact details of it are shouded in mystery. This isn't award-winning journalism, Gabby? This is I'm not. Mm-hmm. No, my, my Pulitzer will not be coming because of this story. <laughs> so we're going back to 1667 at the Corpus Christi College And this is the story of two young lovers, James Betts and Elizabeth Spencer. And now Elizabeth Spencer, she was a classy lady, and she was the daughter of the master of the college. His name was John Spencer. And then James Betts was one of the students, and apparently their romance was forbidden by the big daddy himself. We don't know exactly why, but... Uh, I think it might be like an upstairs, downstairs sort of situation where, you know, like he wasn't good enough for her. So her dad was like, nah, get out of here. When you said uh, the big daddy himself, I honestly thought for a moment you were like, God. I was like, God? Well, it could <laughs> have been God no. because, no. because it could have been God because John Spencer was also, I think, a Puritan. So, you know, maybe it was. Oh. But at the time, it was weird because the Puritans, they were like getting all up in the business of England at that time. And actually, they thought that romantic love was a sign of godliness itself. So they were really into love matches. But I think Elizabeth was like too high class. So her dad was just classist. Yeah. Also, James might have fucking sucked. I don't know. That's true. That's true. I feel like whenever we have those kind of forbidden romance things, we should also note that maybe the guy just sucked. Yeah, maybe he was just a (laughs) fuckboy and her dad knew better. But here's the thing. They had a forbidden love. But let me tell you, It was known that James and Elizabeth would frequently have tea together, okay? They would be taking tea. Oh, scandalous. If you know what I mean. That means something bad and dangerous was happening. Like, they might have been holding hands. They might have been looking at each other into their eyeballs, like, really hard, you know? Some, like, deep eye contact. Deep, hard eye contact. Hard. You know, that is very sexual. (laughs) Eye contact? Yo, like, I'm so into, like, the Jane Austen, like era period pieces and shit and like if they brush their hands i've like already wet myself it's incredible when they do that <laughs> the pride oh and prejudice God. hand brush is like top five most romantic moments and and they literally they don't even kiss until the end of the movie oh sorry i spoiled it well i mean that would be inappropriate if they kiss that's why i'm thinking that james and elizabeth if they had been doing any hanky panky beyond hand touching scandal they would have probably both been killed by the big daddy who is now god in this circumstance Circumstance, big daddy is God. Got it. There's all kinds of big daddies. <laughs> There's so many big you must daddies. Know Taylor. Anyway, I'm already sweating based on how hot and heavy this story is. But see, one day James came over to take some tea. You know what I'm saying? And Elizabeth was like, "Yeah, James, come over. It's gonna be a fun, good time. Let's take some tea." Because she thought her daddy was out, and she thought they had the whole house alone, minus their servants or whatever. But then suddenly. She heard her dad's footsteps on the outside hallway, and she was like, oh, fuck, James, that's no good. Dad's coming in here. He's going to see you, and then he's going to freak out or whatever. I like how they they can't do eye contact, but the F-bomb is totally (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what she said. (laughs) This is verbatim from historical accounts from the time. 
Yeah, seems right. Okay. So Elizabeth's looking around. She's like, we got to hide you. He can't know that you're here. So she looks around. She looks at her cupboard. And she's like, you could fit in that cupboard. And he was like, I don't know if I could fit in that cupboard. She's like, well, you got to fit in that cupboard. You got to because my dad's coming in here and I don't want to get in trouble. So she pushes him in there. And it's a really nice wooden ornate cupboard. And she locks the door. I don't know why she did that. Maybe it was a little kinky. Maybe she was doing something fun. But I don't know if the lock was necessary because James could have just been quiet. Force of habit. It could have just been force of habit, you know? That's true. When I close a door, I automatically lock it because I don't want any intruders. Okay, but a cabinet in your own house? A cupboard. A cupboard. I'm so sorry. A cupboard cupboard when I specifically put a human in there? I've never actually been in that scenario, so I don't know what to tell you. This rarely (laughs) happens to me as well. (laughs) So Elizabeth's like, shooters, go get in the cupboard. She locks it. He's all cramped in there like, okay. And then he's trying to be quiet and all that. And her dad comes in and her dad's suspicious because, you know, he probably sees two teacups. You know what I'm saying? She wasn't playing tea with the teddies. No, she was not. (laughs) She was not. He was suspicious of what was going on. He said, did you have someone over here? Was it that motherfucker James Betts? Gabby did not say that. (laughs) And she said, no, of course not. He's not here. He's not even in the cupboard. And he's like, why would you mention the cupboard? She's like, no, don't worry about it. I just like the cupboard's (laughs) the only thing in this room. Okay. (laughs) But then apparently parents back in the day, if they if there was like a love match that they weren't into, they would just send their children away to get over their crush, basically. So he was like, Elizabeth, Lil Lizzie, I need you to pack up your bags and you're getting out of here for a couple of months because we need you to get over this POS James. So we need you to get out of here. So she was like, fine, dad, I'll get my bags together and I'll go away so I can get over this guy. Wait, right then and there? Yeah, right then and there, from my very historical account. But James is in the cupboard. Oh, that's the thing. Oh no. James is still <laughs> in the cupboard, the locked ass cupboard. So she goes out of town for a month, and you know she doesn't get over him. She's still thinking about James because he's hot, and they had all that tea together. And so she gets back, and she's still thinking about him. And she like asks her servants. She's like, "Hey, have you seen James around? Like, you know, maybe he had come by." She's like, "Have you seen him? Has he been thinking about me? Did he say anything about me?" And they're like, "Nah, we haven't seen James, not one bit." So the camp obviously didn't work. She's still thinking about yeah, him. Yeah, it didn't work. Yeah, this conversion therapy of not liking James, it didn't work. <laughs> okay, but clearly she did not like him enough if she accidentally locked him in the cupboard and then forgot that she did that. I mean, love makes you do crazy things. Like, forget your lovers in the cupboard. So Elizabeth is like, that's suspicious that they haven't heard from James because, you know, obviously I'm hot and he would want to know where I'm at and he wants to know about me. But then she goes up into her room. She looks at the cupboard and she's like, hmm, nothing's been changed. It still looks locked. Oh, no, her heart starts to flutter and not in a good way. And she goes and unlocks the cupboard and out comes dead old James Betts. That's just bad. This is not good. And he had died of asphyxiation because there was not very much air in that cupboard. That was a sturdy cupboard. That was a sturdy-ass cupboard. They used to make things better back then. Yeah. No Ikea there. No Ikea there, yeah. That's the takeaway from this story. It's furniture is just not as good quality as it was back then. That's the thing. So actually, (laughs) it might be lower risk to lock your lover in the cupboard nowadays. I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. Taylor's like, just make sure you have a lock or make sure it's Ikea. Then you're fine. So obviously, Elizabeth is a little bit upset about this whole thing about her lover being dead in the cupboard. 
So a few weeks later, she's still real sad and she goes out into the courtyard and there's like kind of the terrace above the courtyard. She stands on top of it and jumps to her death and dies. <gasps> oh, I, I did not see that I wasn't coming. expecting that. I was expecting she like got over it, but you know, always thought about him even though she got married and like had kids and stuff. Nope. She was sad. Did she do anything with the body? I mean, this body had at this point probably decomposed. It's not exactly clear what had happened, obviously, <laughs> but there's also okay. some accounts where this all happened more over the course of a day where she had hit him in the cupboard and after a few hours he had still run out of air. So I imagine she had to confess to the, her dad that, yeah, he was in the cupboard and also probably needed help dragging him out of the cupboard. Her dad was probably no. happy. He was like, <laughs> dumb little girl, you did it yourself, like that. <laughs> Yeah, so, but the thing is, apparently Cambridge is, uh, according to this one headline I read, Cambridge is a very haunted place. And so their ghost, apparently, because this all happened around Christmas Eve, you can apparently mm. see their ghost walking hand in hand through the courtyard. I'm glad they're together now. Yeah, but then they're stuck together forever. Well, Imagine being a teenager and love. thinking about the person you liked then and then thinking that you have to be a ghost for eternity with them. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. You're right. You're right. So anyway, but you can see them and that is the tale. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you can just see them. Yeah, just go visit <laughs> them. You'll just see them immediately. <laughs> but that is a sad tale of love gone wrong. And again, I'm going to say it for the people in the back. Don't put your lover in a cupboard. The end. I really enjoyed that. Thank you so much, Gabby. And I also just so love that it rhymed. Told. Yeah, beautifully told. Thank you. You know, she really did die of, like, sadness. And even though she died, you know, by throwing herself off of a bridge. This... It was a building, not a bridge. Okay, a building. I'm so <laughs> sorry. Because... Did you even listen to the story? Well, my okay, factual yeah. story? I was about to say, because Gabby's is so factual. Anyway, NT ways. I wanted to ask, can you die of a broken heart? Like, physically, can you die of a broken heart? Because I feel things very intensely, and I'd be scared sometimes that, like, I am going to die of a broken heart, you know? What if something... Oh, my gosh, I'm going to start crying. What if something happens? People I love, like, I, I literally stay up thinking this at night and I don't know what I would do so uh, I started looking into it and uh, guys I have scientific tea do you Ooh, I love some science tea science tea but this um, is different from the tea in the story this isn't like euphemism tea this is like the gossip tea okay uh well yeah according to the gossipers at the American Heart Association <laughs> You can definitely... They love their gossip. They love gossip over there. You can definitely die of a broken heart. And it's called, get this, broken heart syndrome. Wow. <laughs> I know. That's real descriptive. <laughs> to the it. point. I love it. This is what happens, basically. You have this traumatic event or this really emotional, stressful event. And then, so like you have your person dying or they also mention like a job loss or like a car accident or just something incredibly stressful because what happens when you experience broken heart syndrome is um, your heart has this surge of stress hormones from the extreme emotions that you're feeling that causes your heart to stop 
operating normally. And this usually fixes itself, but sometimes leads to heart failure. And it kind of feels like a heart attack because there's chest pain and tightness and difficulty breathing and nausea at times or like vomiting or whatever. But the difference is that like a heart attack, it's like this blood clot in the wall of an artery and it and it causes complete or near complete blockage in the um, heart arteries. Whereas in broken heart syndrome, it's that the blood flow in the arteries is reduced because these stress hormones so weird. They temporarily freeze the left ventricle, which pumps blood throughout the body. So they freeze it and it actually expands. So technically your heart does break physically because it changed shape and stops working. And then you almost die. Many times you don't. It's actually very rare, especially if you catch it in time. But sometimes you do. And that is super metal. That's really sad. I don't, I want to go cry now. I mean, I'm just super happy that I don't experience human emotion. I feel very lucky. (laughs) Right, because Gabby's monotone. Gabby's never cried. Never. Ever. (laughs) Well, that sounds really uh, unfortunate. I know, yeah. It's apparently more common in women, and it's more common in women over 50, probably because um, their husbands pass away around that time sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) When you're 50, maybe you're, they're sad because they have significant others. Yeah, maybe when you're, you're 50, sad your husband are. will die. <laughs> no, don't say we that. promise. <laughs> According to the gossipers at the American Heart Association. Oh my gosh, don't say that. But no, it like it happens, and it also happens in animals too. Well, I don't know if necessarily. <gasps> oh, oh, now Taylor's affected. Now Taylor, <laughs> now Taylor gives a fuck when it's about animals. When your animal is sad is the saddest thing. Because you can't tell them that it's okay. They don't understand. Happy Valentine's Day. We'll be right back. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, My name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. We're back. I hope you've brought your tissues, not to masturbate, to uh, cry. Taylor, I think you have a story for us, and I hope that it's a little bit happier than the one that I told before the break. No, it is. There's actually no death in this story, so it's Taylor. We have one requirement for this fucking podcast. I know. I know. I'm sorry, but don't worry. There are other things that will upset you. Don't you worry. Well, that's okay. That's okay. Go ahead, Taylor. Okay, so I'm sure all of you who have a significant other wonder what is on their phone and what they're doing on their phone. But not everybody's a snoop. Well, this particular woman, she was a snoop. So (laughs) that was a misleading (laughs) sentence. Sometimes you're not a snoop, but she was a snoop. Not everyone's a snoop, but this woman sure enough was. I'm, I'm just trying to say that like, just because you wonder doesn't mean you actually do it. That's all I mean by that. I'm not trying to accuse everyone of snooping in their significant other's phone. I always have an intense urge to snoop, but I've recently learned how to just like push that impulse away and be respectful of people's boundaries, not to brag about how emotionally mature I am. It's a big step. But the urge is still there. I think everybody, well, that's my point is everybody has the urge, whether you act on it is, you know, not everyone does. Anyway, this particular woman, she sure enough did. So she was going through her husband's phone goes to his photos and what does she find but pictures of him having sex with a younger woman Ew! gasp as you can imagine she did not take that very well when he comes back from like the bathroom or wherever it was that he was she has a knife and just starts like attacking him and stabbing him 
and she was screaming at him for cheating and all of that. Wait, question. So hu- yes. What year was this? I believe it was like 2007. It was not that long ago, but not. Because I was trying to imagine if it was like a flip phone photo or if it was like an iPhone photo, you know, because then, I mean, that doesn't make a difference, but. It is somewhat relevant, though. Um, so she, so eventually the husband gets the knife away from her and it explains to her that the photos in question were actually photos that he had of the two of them together that he had digitized. Now, the woman didn't recognize herself because she was so much younger and thinner and she was wearing makeup, which, to be honest, I feel that right now with COVID. I'm like, I don't know what I would look like. I like don't know what I look like with makeup on anymore or like I don't even wear pants hardly. Like <laughs> I can understand that. But you could recognize yourself not or like wearing pants, Taylor. If you saw a younger picture, you'd be like, yeah, that's me. And pa- it's not like wearing <laughs> pants makes it hard to tell. Anyway, police. So the neighbors hear this like screaming and the police show up. The man had multiple stab wounds all down his arms and legs, and the woman is arrested for domestic abuse and uh, domestic violence. So always remember what you look like if you can't. (laughs) This is an important lesson for Valentine's Day. (laughs) It is. I'm glad that she got arrested. And I'm glad that he survived, you know? But I do think... And he survived to tell the tale. I don't know if they're still together or not. She just has to get re-in-touch with herself, a.k.a. remember what she looks like. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Gabby, does yours have death? Oh, it sure does have death. Whoop-de-doo. But the thing is, these people might also not remember what they look like because they were living down at the Galapagos Islands, which I don't know if they had a mirror. So they might have had a similar situation, but they didn't have phones. They always had the reflection of the ocean, though. Uh, that's true. That's true. But I don't know if that's as good as a mirror. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Okay, so uh, this is a pretty convoluted story about three sets of people who hated each other. Three different couples go into this island, and then a lot of tomfoolery happened. And maybe it is an unsolved and unconfirmed tale of murder. People be dead, but they're like, who did it? Did someone do it? What's going on? These people are suspicious as hell. So basically what had happened in the 1920s, so the Galapagos are off the shore of Ecuador, and there was kind of this governor of the Galapagos who wanted to have more tourism, wanted to have invite people to come and like live on the islands. So this became a really attractive option in the 1920s for certain Germans, because remember, like Hitler was happening, and it was like per- post-World mm-hmm. War I, but then there was like still fascism on the rise, and people were just like, eh, I want to skedaddle away from Hitler this here. Hitler was happening. Yeah, Hitler was, he was on the come up, okay? He wasn't quite there yet, but he was getting there. Okay, just, yeah, I just wanted to reiterate that sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm a historian. I'm getting a Pulitzer for this. But one of the uninhabited islands was Floriana Island. And the first two people who settled on this island from Germany was a German doctor named Friedrich Ritter and his patient-turned-lover, Dor Strock. And some people like to paint this as a beautiful love story where, you know, they fell in love and they loved each other so deeply that they both left their own spouses, got together and they moved. But some people have suggested it was more of kind of like a Stockholm syndrome situation where she kind of was like taken advantage of by him. Like she was 15 years younger than him. They were both really into Nietzsche 
and they were just really into existential philosophy and they were kind of like the the prototype of what you would think a hippie is. So when they got to the Galapagos, they were vegetarians, they were nudists. And also the funny thing was like he was a doctor and before he left, he decided to rip out all of his own teeth so he wouldn't have to worry about like dentistry or rotten teeth when he was in the Galapagos. That's a bit much. That's excessive. Yeah, and so she was kind of encouraged to do that, but then she just let her teeth rot and they pulled it out with gardening tools in the Galapagos instead. And apparently they shared the same pair of steel dentures. How sweet. <laughs> what a beautiful love story. Uh, <laughs> so they were there just having a great old time. A lot of people were really obsessed with this couple that had moved there. There was a lot of international press about them. They were called the Adam and Eve of the Galapagos Islands. And then that started attracting more people to want to come to this island. So the next set of people who came were the Whitmer family. And this was a husband and a wife, Heinz and Margaret, and their son. Margaret was also pregnant. And they were excited to move to the island and live in this secluded paradise with Ritter and Strock. But then Ritter and Strock were like, fuck you. We don't care about you. You cannot homestead next to us. So they're like, okay, fine. So the Whitmers then set up a place to live inside a cave about an hour's walk away on like the other side of the island. This sounds like the worst possible idea that you could have in the 1920s, other than Hitler. Like, I just, I can't imagine. Other than Hitler. Other than taking over the world and killing a bunch of people. Other than mass homicide. Yeah. So Ritter and Strzok had arrived in 1929, and so the Whitmers had come in 1932. But then it all kind of went to shit the next year, 1933, when this very flamboyant, crazy lady came. She has a beast of a name, Eloise Vergbor de Wagner Basquet. But we will just Ooh. call her the Baroness because that is what she called herself. She was a self-proclaimed Baroness. Um, and the press dubbed her the Empress of Floriana Island, even though she wasn't royal in any sort of way. She was really just a polyamorous divorcee. <laughs> she was just she just like self-proclaimed herself all of these things. Yeah, she's like, I'm royal, but she's not. She's just Austrian. <laughs> Same thing. That was Austrian. I don't know. <laughs> and so she came to the island. Her backstory is pretty crazy because basically like her husband's mom hated her so much that like the mom had set up two dudes for her to cheat on her husband with. <laughs> So her husband then filed for divorce, so the mother's plan worked. But then she was just then in a, re a relationship with both of these new dudes, Charles Philippa and Rudolf Lorenz, and all three of them moved to the Galapagos. So in this little polyamorous triad situation. And they vaguely had this idea to make, an, make the island a tourist destination and set up a hotel, uh, but mostly it just seemed they wanted to be ridiculous hooligans doing whatever the fuck they wanted and the Baroness was truly ridiculous. She was like described as she would dress like a baby in the same kind of rompers used by chorus girls when they are exercising. She also had a pit was always carrying around a pistol and she would shoot at people. She would also habitually shoot animals and then nurse them back to health. That's so weird and not cool. And she was obviously and there were like some other settlers on the island, too. And she was obviously like pretty like flamboyant and very volatile and she was always trying to like stir shit up and was like bad mouthing people which is also funny because at most there was like 15 people on this island <laughs> so she was like gossiping about people and so Ritter and Strzok who were the first people on the island really hated her because she was just like super annoying and like ruined their little nudist hippie paradise that they wanted to have and then what happened 
was that then the Baroness started favoring Philippa, one of the lovers, over the other lover, Florence, and the other lover was getting like beaten up a lot. And like eventually the Baroness and Philippa like pushed him out of their homestead. And so he had to go stay with the Whitmers, who for the most of the most of this time, they had been on the other side of the island. They didn't really have much beef with her. But then Lauren started telling them all this shit that she was doing to him. And they're like, oh, fuck that lady. She fucking sucks. <laughs> so now there's a lot of drama happening. <clears throat> this is like The Sims. <laughs> it is kind of like The Sims. <laughs> so then one day in 1934, suddenly the Baroness and Charles Philippa disappeared. Oh, no. Dun, dun, dun. Where'd they go? So Lawrence claims that a notable gentleman came by the island, you know, just was like, oh, I'm out here sailing and invited them to sail with him to Tahiti. And so they left just to go have fun and they had no intention on returning, which obviously sounds very suspicious. How convenient. They left all of their things behind. So Ritter and Strzok, they're just like, this is weird because first of all, they wouldn't have left all their stuff behind. Also, they went over to the Whitmers' homestead and they found one of the Baroness's tablecloths on their table. And also the Whitmers never said that they had seen a boat, even though they would have seen a boat if any boats had approached the island. So they're like, somebody done murdered these two people. Somebody's lying. Somebody is lying. What was also suspicious was Lawrence, the, you know, the jilted lover who was getting beat, beat up, who then probably killed them. That was kind of like what Ritter and Strock were thinking. He then tried to get off the island as quickly as possible. And there was like a Norwegian fisherman who just like usually went between all the islands. And so he got on board his boat and just like sailed away. Meanwhile, the island... <laughs> Okay, it's crazy town, okay? <laughs> this sounds like Gilligan's Island, too, a little bit. And they, like, need a detective to, like, come crash on the island. Like, <laughs> But meanwhile, the island was facing a drought. So Ritter and Strzok, who were usually vegetarian, started eating meat because that's all they had available. But then Ritter died. And so then the oh, Whitmers no. were convinced that Strzok had killed him because they had eaten the same food. So why would he have died from the food and she did it? Because... Lady Whitmer was like, that bitch hates him. And so Strzok, eventually, she leaves the island, goes back to Germany. She writes a memoir called Satan Comes to Eden because she fucking hates <laughs> everyone. She's like, this was my fucking island. What are you doing? But then a few months later, after Ritter died from eating the food, there was some sailors who were going by this one island that was kind of near uh, the island they were on, Floriana. And they see two mummified bodies. And they're like, oh, shit. So they call the authorities. The authorities go by and it's confirmed that that was Lawrence and the Norwegian fisherman. It is we their bodies. Them. They found them. They died of dehydration. And then basically Lady Whitmer and then Strzok, they both have written memoirs just basically accusing each other of the most vile stuff and of being murderers. And everyone hated each other until they all died. I think the last of them all died in the year 2000. But it's just like this big saga of people hating each other, people loving each other, and then just want to kill each other. It's like Gilligan's Isle Island meets Lord of the Flies. <laughs> I love that so much. I have I always have the feeling that like if someone invites me to go colonize an island with them, I'm just going to pass. Yeah, I get that feeling a lot too. It happens pretty frequently, but I'm just like, you know what? I need I need like a 
bigger human ecosystem. I need a like a society, a civilization. I I also love reading Nietzsche, but mostly for the laughs. But I don't think I'd be a existential hippie nudist nudist living with steel teeth yeah also i don't want to share teeth that's the thing like i i mean i def- that's the thing <laughs> that's the thing i believe in the power of love and i believe in like investing in people and getting to know them and like revealing your own humanity through that but i think the steel dentures is a little far for love i agree after the break taylor's gonna tell us another really fun story And then I get to share one, too, because we are just overloading this episode with fun love stories. Death death love stories. Or near-death love stories. Or near-death. Very important, because Taylor broke our only rule. Uh, We'll be right back. (laughs) You're welcome. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, My name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with the Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials 
cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, you cadaver lovers. Welcome back to uh, Cadaver Gals Valentine's Day episode. I am so excited because Taylor hopefully has a deadly story. Oh, jeez. Someone does die. Good. That's all we want. Spoiler alert. Okay. This is a story about these two lovebirds in Zimbabwe who were feeling a little bit frisky, went out to a secluded spot out in the African bush to have sex. When, oh. Okay, when? so they were out they were out and they were having sex when all of a the sudden they hear a lion roaring behind them. Oh no, and not even like a metaphorical lion, like a real like a that metaphorically it was not a metaphor. There was a real lion really roaring in the African bush. That's not hot. That's not sexy. No. But like the metaphor part of it is sexy. When when it's real, it's not ideal. If there is a lion roaring in your bush, maybe sexy. But a real ass lion in the bush, like the environment, not so sexy. Not so sexy. So um, the man fortunately was able to escape running away. And as you recall, they were in the middle of having sex. So he was just naked wearing just a condom. That's all he had on. So he was frantically running away, seeing he looked back, seeing that his girlfriend was being mauled by this lion. Oh no. So he's like trying to flag somebody down, like trying to find somebody. I don't really know what the area looked like. I mean, evidently it was like kind of close to a primary school, which which was suspicious. I'm sorry. So you're telling me that this man ran naked into a primary school. <laughs> He was, it's, that's, yes, it was near a primary school, but, um, so we eventually, and a lot of people were like, oh, this is a crazy man. He's just running around like crazy naked or whatever. But eventually somebody took him seriously and was like, and so he explained what was happening. And so they went back to go see if there was something they could do. Unfortunately, it was too late and the lion had consumed most of her body Oh, no. Yeah, so they – I don't know if this man – if they ever gave him clothes while during this whole fiasco. Well, he was probably wearing clothes as they went to the bush and then afterwards, you know, when you're running away from a lion, I can understand that you wouldn't have the impulse to put your clothes on whilst running away. So then when he goes back and he puts on his clothes, he's like, oh, that's awful. Good on okay. him for wearing a condom, though. Oh, yeah, of course. So they go out to try and find this lion, and 
take care of the situation. Along the way, they find an arm and a leg of a man who is believed to be the ma- a man who disappeared recently. He was on his way home from a club. Could you just imagine going out with your friends, having a couple of drinks, walking out of the club and seeing, or the bar or wherever, and seeing a lion like face to face? That would be the most terrifying thing. Especially in our environment because there are not very many wild lions running about. I've never seen a wild lion. If I did, I'd be very scared. Yeah, that would also be, I mean, first of all, in that scenario, I can't really imagine going out and having drinks with my friends right now. So imagining that, but then also lion. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Yes. So during, so during this whole fiasco, when they're searching for the, the rangers are searching for the lion. One of the rangers, I guess they came near a group of lions and one of the rangers shot accidentally shot one of the other rangers. It literally just gets worse. Like this lion, he like killed two birds with one stone, but like many Let more t- birds. So <laughs> <laughs> many more birds. The ranger was fortunately, he was okay. He just got shot in the leg. So he was okay. You know, it sounds like this lion was just going for people who like were doing things that are quote unquote you know, wrong to society, like outdoor sex or going to bars. The lion was a moral executioner. It also, it just sounds like this lion probably, its normal prey wasn't available to him, to him so he just... Exactly. Because this reminds me of this dude who was killed by a bunch of grizzly bears. By a bunch, I mean one single grizzly bear. But the only reason that grizzly bear ate him was because that grizzly bear had rabies or some such thing. So usually a grizzly bear predator wouldn't usually eat a human. So it sounds like maybe the lion was having a similar issue, just like couldn't find the normal things to eat. So it's like, human, you're available. Did they get him? Did they get the lion? They they did get a lion, but they're, I mean, how do you you know if it's the lion, you know? The perp, they didn't have, like, paw prints of it or something. They did have paw prints, but they don't know if it's the correct paw prints, you know? So, like, Mm. they couldn't know if the lion had been in jail previously or any prior arrests or anything like that. Had a record. They did not have his paw print (laughs) on file. File. Okay, well, just making sure. (laughs) You know, about, I will say this. Well, first of all, he or she, the lion, was very efficient. And about the whole, like, two birds, one stone thing, I was drafting an email recently and I wanted to say that but I didn't want to use such a violent term and so I was looking up different ways to say that sentence and do you want to hear some of the the options I found my favorite option actually specifically absolutely which has haunted my weekend by the way absolutely I can't stop thinking about it I love hearing when Nika's been haunted the saying is you get two tickles for one finger oh yeah Two tickles with one finger. Thanks. I hate it. I don't. Yeah, I totally hate that too. I don't like it. I don't understand it. I don't like it. I would rather we talk about murdering birds than talk about two tickles in one finger. Mm -mm. Yeah, I don't like that. When I used to tell jokes on a stage, I would say something really dark like, you know, they're always like, you can kill two birds with one stone, but if you kill one bird with two stones one time, nobody wants to hang out with you anymore. (laughs) 
No one laughed. Oh, well, thank you so much, Taylor, for telling us that amazing tale of the moral executioner lion. Uh, We don't know if he ever got caught, but if he didn't, he's probably going to come after us next. But I want to say fuck that lion, though, because like they were just having sex in the bush. You should be able to have sex in the bush whenever you want. Especially using a condom. Safety. That's great. 10 out of 10. Although I say he, you know that um, lady lady lions are the ones that do the majority of the hunting because the male lions are too lazy. <laughs> Ain't that right. Ain't that right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Girl power. Um, <laughs> she is a girl boss, actually. Um, anyway, I have the last story of our Valentine's Day episode. Well, Nika, tell us this story. You've been talking about it all day. I will. So this is one of the most famous love stories of all time. I grew up reading it. I'm sure you grew up reading it as well or have at least heard of it. There were many different iterations of this story that actually happened in real life, but I found one recently that I was just hooked to. I just couldn't stop thinking about it. The fictional story is Romeo and Juliet. Yes, we all know. And uh, there is a really interesting real-life version. So I'm very excited about it. Are you guys ready? So ready. Let's go. Okay. Um, We are going to the 14th century. So yes, we are in the 14th century in Portugal. Um, There is this prince called Pedro, and he was born in 1320. He was born on the 8th of April, so he was an Aries. That kind of tells you all you need to know. Mm. So he was just kind of, you know, living his best prince life. Um, He loved music. He loved to party. And just he was minding his business. And then at 16, his dad married him off to this woman woman of nobility, obviously, called Constanza. So they got married, um, obviously, under the church. Very fancy wedding. And then she moved into the palace with him. So Constanza is moving in, and she brings all of her maids, obviously, as nobility does. And one of these maids, specifically, was called Ines. Ines was the daughter of this Galician nobleman and a his, his Portuguese mistress. So she was a bastard. Mm-hmm. Okay. A lot of her family were also illegitimate Castilian nobles, so they came from Spain, and that is why she was a maid and why she could not get married to, let's say, like, Pedro, for example, or whatever, because she she was a bastard and therefore not considered officially noble. That's so dumb. I just need to say that, that out so there. Isn't that so dumb? I know. Anyway, so she went with her mistress, Constanza, and moved into the palace. Now, the moment that... Pedro set his eyes on Ines. He fell in love with her. Apparently, according to him, she was beautiful and graceful and white and had blue eyes and blonde hair. I I don't know. I I guess that's like all you need. (laughs) (laughs) You got so grumpy just now. I feel personally victimized. No, I mean, no, no, no. Taylor, you know, I think that you are literally a goddess. I'm just saying that that was the beauty standard then. It was like, okay, she had, I mean, literally it's written, she had milky white skin and golden flowing hair and icy blue eyes. And I guess Pedro was into that. And I guess also one of my reasons why I'm like, whatever, is because did he know her? Did he know her personality? Or did he just look at her and was like, ah, yes, that is enough. I am in love. So, yes, he fell in love with her, and um, sure enough, they uh, they started moving around, you know, doing things, having sex. <laughs> <laughs> moving around? 
Is that how you describe sex? Yeah, it's like when you move with somebody else. Hey, do you want to move around together? Do you want to move around together? There have been so many metaphors for sex in this episode. It's truly incredible. It's a love episode. His lion was attacking her bush, if you will. <laughs> and also, like, while they were moving around doing stuff, um, Pedro actually became really good friends with her brothers, and her brothers were also illegitimate nobility and they were actually exiled too so they became close friends they actually became kind of like his advisors and the king didn't like that because he didn't want more power to go to illegitimates yeah dog i would hate that (laughs) i'm just like yes anding this king yeah (laughs) (laughs) so a few years pass and um constanza gives pedro one sickly frail child (laughs) and um he also ends up having <laughs> multiple children with this other woman, Ines, who are healthy and thriving. So it's just a little bit awkward in the court. You can imagine the scandal. Wait, are they all still teens? Yes. So they were still in like their late teens at that point, also living under the same roof because they were all in the palace, which is just weird. And that sickly boy that Constanza had, it was very strange. She actually made... Ines, his godmother, in a way to, like, make them all family. So, basically, Ines and Pedro's relationship would be incestuous. But uh, that did not stop them. Mm. Not not this time of year. <laughs> I love when people try to... I love when people try to trick you with incest. It's like, I'm going to make you incest now. <laughs> exactly. So... The king finally has enough of this and says, you know what, Ines, I'm going to banish you. So he banishes her, which seems to be something popular that people used to do back then. I mean, how nice would it be if you were just like, I'm done. Like, you go somewhere else. And you just tell them, like, at a breakup, you know? Yeah. You just say, I'm I'm just going to banish you. You go to another area and I don't have to deal with you anymore. So eventually, Constanza dies in 1345. And Pedro literally, with a quickness, is like, Ines, come back from exile. I miss you. Let's live together and be happy. King was not about that. He tried to marry him off multiple times to princesses and noble women and people he approved of. But Pedro was like, nah, dog. I'm good. So the king was pressed and decided to exile Ines again to this monastery in Santa Clara Avella. This time, Pedro followed his beloved to the monastery with her and they ended up living together for 10 years having four beautiful children two of them were boys and they just minded their business for a while the nobility was angry they were not happy about it they were like how dare you be happy literally they were like how how dare you have a love match that's not that's not what marriage is about yuck <laughs> They're like let me ruin that for you a love match is for squares honestly <laughs> good one good one gabby um yes so it was also frustrating. It was stressful because the they, as I said, they had two boys, and these two boys were healthy and living and thriving, and that presented a case against a sickly frail son because then they could be heirs if they ended up being seen as nobility. So eventually, in January of thirteen fifty five, the king finally heard enough of the noble people and sent three assassins to go murder Ines in the monastery. So Pedro was on a hunting trip, and these three assassins go and decapitate and stab her in front of her children, her small children. And then they run away, (gasps) and it's really sad. (laughs) So Pedro comes back. It's really bad. So Pedro comes back from his hunting trip and finds his wife dead in the monastery, tries to gauge civil war against his father, 
cannot, and so just waits until his father dies two years later and Pedro becomes king. No, that's, that's worse than so finding sad. your dude in the cupboard. Yeah, that is pretty gruesome, but for me, it's like that's it wasn't terrible. Pedro's fault. Whereas the other girl, yeah, she, she put her lover in a cupboard. Well, no, I'm saying it would be worse if you're like, if you're about to stumble across your dead lover. I would prefer them to be, you know, asphyxiated in the cupboard rather than decapitated in mm-hmm. the dining yeah, room. Yeah, like visually. Would you ra- That's a fun would you rather. <laughs> would, you would you rather? rather? <laughs> so Pedro becomes king and the first thing that he does is build this beautiful tomb for himself and for his dead wife. And it is just stunning. Um And the tombs are actually facing each other because he believed that when the resurrection was going to come they would stand upright and the first thing that he would see was his wife. <laughs> I know, I know. It's it's so ridiculously sweet and oh my gosh. And he had inscribed in both tombs, other than all of the incredible artwork and like carvings that were done to the tomb, he also had inscribed until the end of the world. <gasps> That's sweet. <laughs> cute as hell. I know. I'm literally going to start That's, crying just talking about it. That is so sweet. That's so cute. I mean, I just feel like I won't ever love anyone enough to do any of those things that he did. You know, like go into exile, you know, be happy, you know, get married, like have a tomb facing somebody else's. That's sweet as hell. Right? Well, we can get into that in therapy later, Gabby, but I'm going to keep going with my story. (laughs) Because it doesn't end there. So after that happened, he built those tombs and then he sent out kind of like a press release explaining (laughs) that he had married Ines during their 10-year-long period of living with each other. And therefore, his two boys were their rightful heirs, which obviously complicated things. And as if that wasn't enough, he ended up hunting down two of the three assassins and publicly executing them by physically ripping their hearts out. That's a, that's... That's a metaphor. (laughs) That is a metaphor if we have ever heard of one. (laughs) You ripped out my heart, so I rip out yours. Yeah, I feel like this guy was a little bit melodramatic, but whatever. I think he was just really into his emotions. Also, love makes you crazy. Yeah, Taylor's like, I need a man like that. I need a man that will rip out somebody else's heart for me. (laughs) Okay, so that is what I will say about that. There is... That was all factual. That did happen. Um, But there is some tea that circulated in the 1500s about this. Do y'all want to hear it? (laughs) Okay, so... Yes. Basically, according to the rumor mill in the 1500s, before she, Ines, was moved from her old burial site to that beautiful new tomb that um, her husband had created for her, um, he dressed her in beautiful finery and her jewelry and all of that stuff and placed her on a throne and made his entire noble court kiss her hands and proclaim her as rightful queen. Oh. Wow. That's petty as hell. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, nobility was really crazy back then. You know, I always talk about how I wish I would have been part of like a royal court or something, just as like maybe a simple jester or whatever. But um I feel like Kings and queens were a little bit insane and would make people do crazy things like kiss dead cadavers' hands. And I'm just, I don't know if I'm interested in that. Thanks. Yeah, I'm not that petty. That's big of you. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know if I would make someone kiss my dead husband's cadaver. We are all so big. Gabby doesn't snoop in, uh, she has the urge to snoop, but doesn't snoop. 
And Nika's not going to make anybody kiss her dead husband's cadaver. Taylor, what what have you learned from all of this? I'm not. I think I'm petty. I don't know. I'm probably petty. <laughs> You're like, I would make them do both of those things. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah. Taylor's like, yeah. no, I, I actually do want someone to rip another person's heart out for me. That's kind of the life goal sweet. when it comes to a partner. Yeah, it's and, just sweetness. That's what that is. Oh, I just no. I just I just want flowers from someone. Oh, Taylor, I'll get you flowers. Taylor's like not like that. <laughs> no, actually, I don't care where they come from. I just love flowers. Well, I feel like we learned so much about each other on this episode and about healthy relationships, mm-hmm. healthy romantic relationships. We've learned a lot. Yeah, I'm gonna tell my partner like, hey, this this is in detail exactly what I want. Have sex in a bush? No, <laughs> no, only in the metaphorical sense. <laughs> Well, this feels good. This this was a good episode. It feels like I'm going to send Taylor flowers and Gabby will hopefully one day uh, experience true love. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, here's to hoping. Here's to hoping. Well, this has been very fun. All you cadaverous listeners, I hope you have renewed hope in love and friendship and safety. Have an amazing holiday. Spend it with the people that you care about. Buy yourself flowers. Hashtag girl power. Hashtag girl boss. <laughs> yes, don't murder anyone. <laughs> but don't murder. Don't lock anyone in a... Say it again, Gabby. Don't put your lover in the cupboard. I'm just imagining everyone chanting that with me. <laughs> yes, that is perfect. Um, we will see you next week. Cadaver Gals is a production of School of Humans and iHeartRadio. It is researched, hosted, edited, and recorded by Gabby Watts, Taylor Church, and Nika Duarte. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cadaver Gals. See you next week! I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app. Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app. 
Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care and we'll see you there. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.